Thank you, Scott, and thank you, Stephanie, or Scott and Bethany. Um, but I want to echo again what Scott just said. It's that thank you for the support you as a church give to, to loving and serving and proclaiming Christ in Eagle Butte. Because even when the team goes in June, there are many of you who are praying while the team's there. And there are many of you thinking about these children that we get to impact each year when we go. So thank you. And today uh, we're going to spend time in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. So if you would go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 8. And if you want to use the Pew Bible, that's going to be on page 996. So the Pew Bible is going to be on page 996. And if you don't have a Bible, please take that home. Let it be our gift to you um, that you might read God's word and it might be changed by it. Would you pray with me now? Father, we thank you for today. We ask that, that as we're gathered here, you would use your word to shape us, that it would mold us, that it would change us, that perhaps even a passage that we're familiar with, we may come away today having been reminded of the importance of your word and how it changes us as your children. So would you be with us, give us ears to hear, and it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. So as I was preparing to, to preach, just I've been thinking about how many times in my life have I heard sermons, right? I grew up in the church, I was in the church even in my mother's womb, and so I just spent, you know, 10 minutes trying to calculate how many sermons have I heard in my life, and I tried not, not to overcomplicate it. But just looking through my life, I think I've heard it, at the very least 3,068 sermons. All right? Each one of those, I just guesstimated maybe 45 minutes um, because the, the church I grew up in, uh, the pastor also preached the length of Stephen's sermons. And so 45 minutes was a safe guess. All right? So I, it came out to be 2,301 hours of preaching I've listened to in my life, at the very least. That's not counting youth camps or retreats or, or, or anything like that, or even leap years where there was an extra Sunday to hear sermons. And perhaps some of you can identify with this. Maybe you've grown up in the church or you've been listening to sermons for 50 plus years. And you just equate preaching in the, in the gathering of the service, the same way you also probably equate Baptist social gatherings with potlucks, right? They just go together. We meet to worship, we're going to hear preaching. But we also have to think about, is there a reason? Is it just something we do because it's been handed down to us? Or do we preach God's word when we gather as a church because there's a biblical precedent for it. Because if it's just mere tradition, if it's something we do because it's been passed down for a few hundred years or ages, then when culture changes or listening ears don't like what they hear, well, if it's not something that's told to us in the Bible, then perhaps there's reason to change. That it might be more pleasing, that we might get more people to come. 
But if in fact it's given to us in God's word, then we must obey it at all times, no matter what is going on. And so as we read in just a moment this passage, Paul's writing to Timothy, and he says, Dear Timothy, the end of my time is coming. It's perhaps the last few days or even last few weeks of Paul's life. And he's saying, the ministry that I've had, I've fulfilled it. I've done it to the best of my ability. Now, Timothy, you who are now taking on the baton of ministry, preach the word. And there's a sober tone to these instructions. Right? An older gentleman passing on his wisdom, his last words, the final thing he wants to ring in Timothy's ear when he's gone. And he tells him, preach the word. As we read and as we listen to God's word, I want us to see three things from it. First, I want us to see that we are to preach the word. I want us to also see that there's a necessity for preaching and that there's also an urgency in our preaching. So would you read with me 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1-8. through 8. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul here is telling Timothy, you must preach. And it's not just a simple, you should, or it would be good for you to do this. Notice the seriousness of it. He says, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. Right? So it's, it's almost as if Paul's having a conversation with Timothy and the witnesses right before this conversation are God and God the Father and the Son. And he's saying, I charge you before the Father and the Son. Fulfill your ministry by preaching. Preach the word. And so Paul's trying to bind Timothy to the preaching of the word when the church gathers. So we have to think, what is preaching? What, how is that different than, than teaching? So teaching, I think, is, is to transmit or to pass on information from one person to another. It's to give an understanding of, of truth and of scripture. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? It's good for us to explain what Scripture means, to help other people understand what God means when He gives us His Word and what, it, what He's talking about. 
But preaching is more than just teaching. It's an exhortation or an encouragement to respond. So it's, it's not just a lecture. But it's an appeal to the mind, right? We want people to understand it. But it's also appeal, an appeal to their will and to their emotions. That those who are listening would be compelled to obey. I think we see something similar in 2 Corinthians 5.20 when Paul says, We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Right? It's, it's an imploring, it's a pleading, it's a, I want you to listen because there's eternity at stake. Believe in Christ. Be reconciled to God. There's nothing greater than that. And so preaching is an informing It's helping someone understand the intended meaning of a text. But it also seeks to shape actions. Right? Paul says, reprove, rebuke, exhort. So this reproving, it's it's a calling out or a reprimand. And to rebuke is to correct, to express disapproval, and And then to exhort. It's a call to action. It's a call to encouragement for those who hear God's word. I want you to be encouraged that we should obey his word. It's, a, it's to help someone move towards, move forward in holiness, following of Christ. And so preaching seeks to inform, but it also seeks to shape. And hopefully, even today, there's this moving, this stirring, right? You don't want to come and just see someone Talk like Ben Stein with monotone and just, here it is, you must understand, this is what God says, therefore do. Right? We want there to be a, a change. Even as I'm spending time in the Word this week, my goal was not just to put a message together to give you something, but it was, Father, would you change me? Give me a love for your Word that it might come out and it might change those who hear, not because I myself have been changed, but because there's power in His Word. And hopefully, you see a change in me and a love for His Word, and and perhaps that's encouraging or exhorting you too, as well, to follow in obedience to His Word. But then the question is, okay, well, we know we're supposed to preach, but preach what? Look at verse 2 with me. It's pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Preach the word. Right? Preach the scriptures. Just a few verses earlier in in chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, Paul's talking to Timothy about what you've learned, the holy writings, the sacred scriptures. That's what you're supposed to teach and preach, Timothy. So church, you and I, we should be eager to hear the preaching, not of of self-help and five tips to a better marriage, but we should be eager to receive the preaching of God's word that we might be instructed in the gospel. Because what else is there that has the power to change, to bring salvation? And I do understand there is sometimes a, a desire in us to get five tips to make things easy to have a good marriage. It's not wrong to want a good marriage. 
But there's nothing that has the power to change the greedy into being generous and the prideful into those who are humble. And God has the power through his word to heal marriages. He's got the power to bring the prodigal home. Christ alone can change hearts. And so we must preach the word. We must lift high Christ as we preach the word that people might be changed because five steps may take care of the outward symptoms, but the gospel reaches deep down in the heart, seeking to dig out the roots of sin in your life. Pull out the roots, and you take care of the symptoms. So we preach Christ and Christ crucified. We preach the word that lives might be changed. And so my question for us is, Do we come thirsting? Do we come hungering to hear God's word? That it might change us? It can be a struggle. It can be hard. The week can be tiring. The weekend can sometimes be unrelenting when you're looking for the weekend to give you some rest. But let us be eager to hear God's word. Let us long to hear Christ being lifted up that he might change us. And this even brought to mind a story in Acts about a young man named Eutychus. If you don't know Eutychus, I'm going to tell you about him because it's quite funny what happens and and pretty sad in some ways as well. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says this, On the first day of the week, when we gathered together, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day. And he prolonged his speech until midnight. All right, so it's Sunday, right? The first day of the week. Paul's intending to leave on Monday. And it says that he continued talking until midnight. I don't know that he started speaking at 10 or 11 o'clock p.m. and only preached for an hour. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. And don't worry, I'm not preaching till midnight to you today. (laughs) it's okay to amen that but there is a response and and a response that we ought to come with joy to God's word and listen to what it goes on to tell us in Acts 20 verse 9 it says and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window this is when Paul's preaching sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked longer still And then I pause and I think, this is the Apostle Paul preaching. And Eutychus is falling asleep, right? What's up with this guy? And listen what what it says then. It says, and being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. So Paul's preaching. He decides it's an okay idea for me to sit in the window on the third story And then like a cloud of sleep just descends on him and he falls asleep and he falls asleep to his death. And at first when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, just like I've already told you, how can he fall asleep when the Apostle Paul's preaching? And it hits me that that's not really the sad part. It's that he's asleep while the word of God's being proclaimed. As he's learning about who the maker 
of the earth is. As he's learning about how God calls us to repent and believe and changes us. And so when I see your eyes glaze over today, I'm just going to keep on preaching. (laughs) Not because I've got something great to say, but because God's word has power to change us, to give us eyes to see. And so then the question is, how do we respond when the word of God's preached? Are we eager? Are we sitting up with wide-eyed amazement waiting to receive God from his word? Or do we have eyes glazed half over? Does God's word bring joy to your soul? Does it make you long for more of the word when you hear it preached? And I'm not saying that this preacher is perfect, right? I'm striving to get better every time I preach. But it's not dependent on me. So long as I'm preaching the word, let's receive it. Let's be eager for it. So church, we must preach the word. It's necessary for our souls. So look with me in verses 3 and 4. Let us see the necessity of preaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So preaching is necessary that it might keep us from wandering away into myths. Right, We have a a tendency to grow bored. Right, It even says there, there's a time coming when people will not endure sound teaching. So children, students, teenagers, when you hear mom and dad say something over and over and over again, what's your tendency? Tune them out. Right, I heard this already. I think all of us, even adults, have the same tendency. We hear something. And we hear it, and we hear it, and we're familiar with it. And instead of trying to understand it more, be reminded of the glories of God's word, we grow dull, desensitized to it. And this ought not be. And I think Paul even understands that, right? He says there's a time when people will not endure sound teaching. And so that we need to persevere in seeking sound teaching and sound doctrine and knowing God's word. So let us continue listening to it. Let us continue submitting to it. Because preaching the word is necessary. When the winds of culture call for change, it's the word that will ground us. It's the word that reminds us of the truth that we know of in God. And you might say, well, Josh, I I understand this. I get it. That's actually why I'm here today. But let me remind you, let me tell you that a church that strays from God's word is just a few years or maybe a generation away from dying. Even, in fact, in in Washington, D.C., there's a story in the Washington Post on Wednesday about a meeting that happened Tuesday night. This meeting was put together by uh, two people who have a podcast that's titled Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. This meeting met at 6th and I 
historic synagogue in Chinatown in D.C. And it wasn't just a couple of people, but hundreds of people were there for this meeting. And what was the purpose? It's not like you might think of in a synagogue to hear God's word read. It wasn't to hear the Old Testament read. But it was to read Harry Potter. And it was to discuss it and talk about it and learn from it like it's a sacred text. People are going to things other than God's word for direction. It's necessary for us to to understand God's word must be preached. These people were going to Harry Potter to learn things about trust and betrayal and love. And they're seeking things to guide their life, to ascribe to. And one young man named Mark Kennedy, after, after the meeting, was interviewed. And he described it as an experience like I was being born again. So don't be confused. People are seeking out teachers that will scratch their itch and make them be pleased by what they're hearing or what they want to hear. It's not that these people, that they can't understand God's word. It's that they have passions, Paul says. Desires that they want met and so they seek out teachers that will give them that. So church, we must Proclaim God's word. And it's not just that in Paul's day this was important. It's been throughout all of mankind. Think about it. How does God create? How did God bring into existence Adam and Eve? By his word. He spoke them. He gave them life. He breathed life into them. Exodus 20 verse 1 tells us that God spoke the Ten Commandments to Moses. And Israel as a nation was formed. In Ezekiel 37, this stunning, beautiful vision of a valley filled with dry bones. And what happens? God tells Ezekiel, prophesy. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. Make no mistake, God's word has always and will always bring life into his children. The dead are given life. You, Christian, receive your life from God through the word as his Holy Spirit teaches us. And in the New Testament, Jesus heals the sick, raises the dead just by speaking. Paul in or Peter in Acts 2 preaches God's word. 3,000 in one day come to faith in Christ. Paul, over the, the many, many years he preaches God's word, people are saved and the church is formed. God has always been about forming his people through his word. It keeps us from error. It keeps us from, as Paul says here, myths. So it's for your good that we preach the word. It's for my good that the word is preached here today. And so the question is, where do you turn when you're looking for truth? 
when you're looking for something that changes your life and gives you perspective, where do you turn? Is it to God's word or is it to the, the self-help books or Christian books? And, and hear me, there's nothing wrong with reading books on parenting or how to steward God's finance as well that he entrusts to us. There's nothing wrong with reading books about marriage. But if that's the place that we most often turn or the only place we turn, then perhaps we are being led astray, not because we're not seeking truth, but because we always have to remember and compare what we learn and read against Scripture. We have to know God's Word. And so non-Christian too, you may be here. You're hearing God's Word proclaimed. You may even be curious or seeking God. And it's good to talk to Christians. What is the Christian faith? Who is Christ? But also let me encourage you, read God's word for the truth, that he might change you as you read and learn about him. And so Hamilton Baptist Church, the preaching of God's word, it must remain central in what we do when we gather. It's for our good that we might not turn to silly myths, that we might not turn away from the truth. And so it's for our good that we preach because there will be some who turn away. There will be some who go after false teaching. Therefore, there's an urgency to our preaching. Read with me in verses 5 through 8. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a, as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So Paul's coming to the end of his life and he's telling Timothy, now, Timothy, now is the day that you must preach. It's not tomorrow. It's not a few years after I've gone, but today is the day that you have to preach. He says, be sober-minded, right? Don't be distracted. Don't let anything lead you away from preaching the word. Be ready for suffering. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. And what's that? To preach Christ. So Timothy, as you preach, you're preaching right now. Do this today. Do the work of an evangelist. Lift Christ high because he's the one who saves everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. He reminds Timothy, this is how you fulfill your ministry. If there's a foundation, Timothy, on which to build your ministry, it is preaching the word. That the people of God might be fed. That they might be changed. So the, the task of preaching is being passed down from Timothy, or from Paul to Timothy. It's being passed down to sustain the church. And the preaching of God's word has been handed down generation after generation that God's word might sustain the church. And I don't mean that, that we might preach to sustain 
keeping crowds or growing crowds that we might keep the doors open and the electricity on and have, have bigger staff here. That's not what I mean by the, the preaching must sustain the church. The preaching must sustain the church because God's word is the only thing that brings life. The word is the only thing through Christ that will save the dead and give them life. It nourishes us. Right? So the word, not only does it save by giving us a knowledge of Christ as we believe in him, but it also nourishes you, Christian. It grows you. You and I not, ought not be suffice with just having a, a mere infant's knowledge of who God is, but it may nourish and grow and sustain us and feed our souls. When we long for the Word, it grows our appetite for the Word. It makes us hungry for the Word. And so the Word must be preached when we gather. And so church, don't settle for comedians or eloquent speakers who can gather your attention. Require of your pastors to preach the word. Expect of us to preach the word to you, that you might be fed, that you might be changed. So there's an urgency, right? We've assumed right now we're talking about the one who's preaching must preach the word, but there's also an urgency for you, church, to receive and expect to receive the word. And so preaching the word, preaching Christ, is, it's not a side note. It's nothing to get you psyched up for the coming week that you might just barely fizzle out until, or, or hold on and not fizzle out until next Sunday. It's what you're supposed to feast on, to hunger for. And I'll even be pretty honest with you. Uh, this setting right here, right here is really not, it's not natural for me. Um, it's hard. It's, it's a work. And in some ways, I think it should be a labor to dive into God's word and him change me throughout the week and prepare something for you. But it's not natural. And so even as I'm reading this text this week and preparing to, to bring God's word to you, it's even instructing my soul and, and giving me a, a hunger to teach you and to preach to you God's word that it might be held high. And so it, it's, it's with joy, it's with an excitement because I know my hope is that you're receiving God's word and you're not seeing me, but it's him that is being proclaimed. And here's also another reason. Check out verse 8 with me. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So for those of you who love and long for the appearing of Christ, there is stored up for you a crown of righteousness. So it's no mistake that Paul's telling Timothy, preach the word. That informs verse 8. 
as I fulfill my ministry to you this morning, preaching God's word, it's also a joy to me to know that I get to help you long for the appearing of Christ. I get to help you long for and gain that crown of righteousness. And so I long for that. I hope one day, not to applaud me, but to say that God used me, that there might be a day where he, you could say before the Lord, right? Paul's charging Timothy before God the Father and the Son. And so my prayer today and even preaching now is that one day I might have helped you long for the return of Christ. That through that longing and hearing of the word that it's encouraged you and that one day you will receive the crown of righteousness. So thank you, church, for letting me preach to you. Thank you for even paying me to do this. I appreciate that too. And my family does. So as we gather, the word must inform us. It must shape us as a congregation. But I even want to give you a few practical helps now. Perhaps it would help you individually as you receive the word. So first, pray for your pastors. Pray for us to, to, to hear from God. Pray for us to be faithful to his word. Because apart from his word, we've got nothing to offer you that's going to change you, that's going to make you like Christ. So pray for us. Prepare, second, prepare yourself to receive the word. So earlier we talked about God's word should inform us, right? We want to know what it means. And also part of my job is to encourage you, to exhort you, in God's word. And so here's one perhaps that maybe may actually be really difficult. Prepare yourself to receive God's word. One I think way that that's just really obvious to me is is your Saturday nights. What do you fill your Saturday nights with? Are you preparing yourself to receive God's word with an eagerness on Saturday night so that when you come on Sunday you might hear it, you might receive God's word from him. So maybe you, you say, we're not going to do anything as a family after 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. on a Saturday night. That we might even read God's word as a family and ask God for his help to understand it as we hear it on Sunday. Perhaps you'd even set a, 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 a bedtime on Saturday night. Get rest that you might be awake for today that you might even throughout the week read the passage, right? If, if you've got your bulletin really handy, perhaps you're even writing on the, the sermon note sheet, at the very bottom, look at the order of service. You can go ahead and do that now. Look at it. The bottom of the order of service tells you what's coming up next Sunday. It's not by accident. It's not just to fill space that we put that on there. It's in there every week so that you might know what's coming up, that you might prepare your heart to receive God's word. So let me encourage you, church, prepare yourself to receive the word. Number three, keep your Bible open and listen expecting God to speak. Yes, we have the scripture on the screens for you to read, but there's great value, 
right? The scripture is not up there every single moment I'm preaching. But if you have your Bible open, you can see it. You can read it. Is this guy just making this stuff up? Or did he really get that from the scriptures? I want you to do that. Pastor Stephen wants you to check everything we say with scripture. Number four, worship God by joyfully receiving his word. Sometimes the word's going to step on your toes and it doesn't feel good. We even know from Hebrews that the Lord's discipline at the moment doesn't feel good, but it's intended for our good. So when times of remembering Christ and what he's done for us and the salvation he's provided, let that, you receive that with joy. At other times when the scripture steps on our toes and it hurts, we can even receive that with joy because we know it's intended for our good. Number five, consider the word through the week. Right? We, we do this, we organize even kind of church life around that. We have these things called community groups. So if you're not in a community group, let me encourage you. Find a community group. If you need help finding one, let me know. I can point you in the direction of one that meets near your house or one that meets on a night of the week that's good for you. But these community groups, they don't meet just to, to, to say, hey, how you doing? The point of these community groups is to be in God's word, that it's not just something we hear on a Sunday and walk away from and forget it. But the intent is that we might encounter God's word again, that it might continue to change us and shape us. You might also consider God's uh, word during the week, even right after the sermon, you go home and you discuss it with your family over lunch or at night when you tuck your children in bed tonight, you pray the scriptures with your children. And then finally, the sixth thing I'd like to encourage you to do is respond in obedience. Respond to his word. Not because you heard some guy behind a pulpit with a microphone saying it, but respond in obedience because it's God speaking to you through his word. So the, the word shapes us. The word of God has formed this church. And the word of God must sustain us. Therefore, we must preach the word. Would you pray with me now? Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that as it's proclaimed each week that you would shape your children. That you would, through the, the word, that you would form us into this pure and spotless bride that is ready on the day she meets her bridegroom. That you'd be forming us and shaping us and molding us into the image of Christ that that we long to, even as we receive it today, that, that it would encourage us to long to receive it next Sunday. We thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for sending Christ to die for us, that we might have life in him. And so help the preaching of this word, help the pastors that fill this pulpit to always and forever faithfully proclaim Christ until he comes. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.